0: I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome.
0: Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at allbadthingspot. Email us allbadthingspot at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord.
1: Do all of those things. Twitter, maybe.
0: Yeah, Twitter, maybe. <laughs>
1: it's still a maybe. Yes. <laughs> we'll see.
0: And happy Boxing Day. Eh? It it is in the Commonwealth countries, right? Isn't that the idea? I I don't know. I really don't know. It's a thing in the UK. Sure. I think it's a thing in Canada, too. I think you're right. And maybe like Australia? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) It's not here. Not here. Other, (laughs) Other places. Yes. Although this Boxing Day is the day after Christmas, which was on a weekend, so a lot of people have Boxing Day off in lieu of... Christmas because Christmas was on a weekend, so. In lieu. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> yes, I
1: do. It's just, it's kind of funny the way you said it. Well, that's, a, it's a, it's a term <laughs> no, in no. lieu of.
0: <laughs> you just like my fancy words? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so we are um, shoring up a couple episodes. Yes. To kind of have them ready to deploy. So if we're not um, fully current in anything we mention. That's why we're just working ahead a little bit. Um, and I was thinking to myself, why, why am I thinking of that? What's that song? And I thank myself. How much can I want now?" And I think right. myself. Oh, I'm
1: that's uh, me. Yeah, I just yeah, keep, keep, keep talking. <laughs> Wait, just yeah. keep going. Um, it's no doubt.
0: Oh, okay. It's Gwen Stefani then. Well,
1: it's No Doubt. It's when she was in No Doubt. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I had the perfect Boxing Day script. Okay. And it was courtesy of none other than Lee Hutch himself.
1: Oh, author. very mm-hmm. nice.
0: And what he thought would be his last script contributed to us. Okay. But he has since. Contributed another script.
1: He has since re-emerged.
0: Yes, yes. And is working, rumor has it, on a uh, sequel to Molly's song. Very nice. Very excited about that. So um, so I'll have a preamble to read, but just keep in mind, this is not Lee's last script. <laughs> that's part of the preamble. <laughs> um, but that's good, because I love Lee's scripts, per usual, and... Um,
1: Anyway, yep. we, we, we get to do uh, one of my scripts right after. Yes. I wanna, <laughs> wonder if you'll notice any difference.
0: <laughs> so so see if if you can see why I wanted to do this on Boxing Day. Do you have any guesses?
1: I don't actually, know.
0: Uh, okay, so this is... This... Oh, that, oh,
1: that, okay. No, well, go ahead. It, no, it's, it reminds me that I've got to... Good guess to give you. Oh, oh good, like a hint? Yes. I
0: gotcha. Thank you. I gotcha. Yeah, a hint. Yes. A <laughs> good guess to give me? Yes. <laughs> a good hint to give me so I can guess? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Do you want to write it down on a post-it or something? No, I got okay. it. Okay.
1: I'll probably forget, though.
0: <laughs> so this script has a title, and it is called Death in the Spotlight, The Night That Changed Boxing Forever.
1: Ooh. I think... Is this... um. Does this involve Roberto Duran? Is that name on there at all?
0: Um, it's not the person who died. Is that who you're thinking of?
1: Yeah, the person... I can't remember. Anyway, let's go on. Okay.
0: You might start recognizing the story.
1: I I think... If I think it's what it is. (coughs) Okay. If I think it is what it is, rather.
0: Okay. Was it in the 80s?
1: Yeah, I want to say like 79 or 80, something like that. Very early on.
0: Okay. Um... This is also, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, potentially our second chapter of the 27 Club.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right.
0: So... Um, I like Lee's note here Director's note Open with the usual banter One star review corner If applicable Political rants oh, Discussion wow. of beverages uh, I know we haven't done it In a long time long time And the locations of Demetrius And Jesse Pinkman <laughs> No I've been hoarding this script Because if it was going to be, be Lee's last I was not going to just Put it out there right away so. Gotcha But now that we've got another one Yes We are hot I am going to see let turn down the volume. There we go. Okay. So this is an introduction from the author. Dear listeners, I will go ahead and say this up front. This is my last listener script. When it is recorded, it will be my third script, I think. The reason why this is my final script is actually somewhat connected to the topic of today's episode. If you stick with me until the end, you'll see what I mean. Or rather, you'll hear what I mean. So I know that the podcast intro comes with the standard trigger warning for everything possible, I want to say right here at the beginning that I do briefly mention two suicides connected to the aftermath of the particular bad thing in this episode. Mm. Normally, when I write an introduction to an episode, I talk about how I came to learn about the tragedy. In this case, I did not find out about this tragedy secondhand or from the interwebs. No, dear listeners, I saw it happen live on CBS. Perhaps some of you might have as well. If you are a Gen Xer like I am, that is. Or sorry, I read that weirdly. If you are a Gen Xer like I am, that is. Yours truly was a several was several months past my fourth birthday on Saturday, November 13th, 1982. Okay. I remember being excited because there was going to be a big boxing match that evening. I come from a boxing family. My grandfathers both boxed. My father boxed. I was a boxer. My nephew and my son both box today. Hell, even my mother is a huge boxing fan. She still crushes on Muhammad Ali, just like she did when she was 10. And she keeps a framed photo of him on her nightstand. Okay. (laughs) As a kid, I studied the Rocky movies like evangelical kids study the Bible. The Holy Trinity at my house were Muhammad Ali, Barry McGuigan, do you know the name Uh
1: um
0: and the marvelous Marvin Hagler 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 (laughs) that you knew
1: (laughs) yeah he was uh well Lee is a year younger
0: than me sounds like it I think so
1: um yeah uh Hagler was a big time middleweight boxer when we were little kids okay he was on HBO all the time
0: okay The main reason for my excitement that Saturday was that a Saturday boxing match meant that I got to stay up a little later than normal and hang out with my grandfather while we watched it together on the black and white television he had in his den. He'd pull the spare spare recliner right next to his and I would be allowed to eat ice cream while he smoked his pipe. During the fights, he would explain to me what was was happening, mixed in with him yelling instructions or epithets at one one or both fighters in his Galway accent. This fight is one of my earliest memories, and though at the time I was just excited to watch the fight and didn't fully understand what was really going on, as it turned out, I was witness to an event that, because of the bad thing, would transform the sport I love more than anything apart from my girls. Oh, and redheaded girls in general. (laughs) (laughs) Boxing, like society as a whole, often doesn't want to change until absolutely forced to, and alas, that often comes about due to death. Though this is a boxing-related bad thing, it is a human story as well, so it doesn't matter if you can't tell a jab from a gerund and don't know the difference between the Philly shell and the Philly cheesesteak, there's still something here for you. It, for if you show me a hero, I'll write you a tragedy. <laughs> that's very...
1: Hmm. That's a very good Pretty line. Very poignant.
0: Yeah. But before we can dive into the bad thing, I have to go into History Corner. I am predictable, after all. Or so I've been told. So, History Corner. To start with, I'll mention some sources. Obviously, there is the fight itself. I didn't trust four-year-old Lee's memory of it, and thankfully, it is preserved and available for all to watch on YouTube. Wow. I also read the book The Good Son by Mark Kriegel and watched the documentary based on the book. A couple of chapters in Dog Rounds, Life and Death in the Boxing Ring by Elliot Wursel proved very useful. There's also a good documentary on YouTube about brain injuries in boxing called After the Fight. I have read various and sundry articles on the fight, and for information about the brain and boxing, I recommend the book Damage, the Untold Story of Brain Trauma in Boxing by Tris Dixon, who also has a whole host of other great boxing books. Finally, there is my own experience as a boxer in the amateur ranks and a lifetime of reading about studying and teaching boxing. I'm a certified coach through USA Boxing. Oh, wow. I didn't know that about Lee. What I am about to say might cause some offense, but that is not my intent. I think that could just about sum up everything about Lee. (laughs) Especially
1: on Facebook. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Which he's not on anymore. No, he's not. (laughs) Um, I want to address something head-on by way of explanation, so bear with me. I know that there are plenty of people out there who want to ban boxing and or football because of the risk of injury. To me, this is the same type of paternalistic nonsense that led to prohibition. Middle-class slash upper-class people who drank wanted to keep the poor from drinking for their own good. It denies the impoverished any agency over our working lives by saying that you have the right to decide for us. Boxing has always been a sport of the working class, the immigrant, and the economically disadvantaged. Why? Because for us, just like football, it represents a way out. It represents a way to get respect on the street without having to join a gang. We are used to fighting for what we want since our lives are a constant struggle. I grew up in an impoverished fami- family in an inner city neighborhood. I saw my first person shot and killed on the street when I was five, my second when I was eight. What I saw in the streets every day was far scarier than anything I faced in the ring. People, far, people f- from more privileged economic backgrounds love to watch us poor folk punching each other in the ring while at the same time they judge us for doing it. Just understand that for some of us, the ring is what saved us and kept us out of prison or the cemetery. Yeah. Very goodly. Yeah slight counterpoint.
1: <laughs> it's not really
0: it, it's not really a counterpoint because like you know I don't watch football because I I dislike that people are hurting them well people are being hurt in the name of economy, right? Um so my my problem is with the system, not mm-hmm. with the not with the athletes. Sure. I'll put it that way. So, but yes, in terms of like judging the athletes for doing it, no. No, it it makes sense. I judge the system (laughs) for making that the only viable alternative for a lot of people. So anyway, I grew up an angry kid with a chip on my shoulder and an aggressive streak wider than the Mississippi River. By the age of eight, I'd already gotten into trouble beyond the typical talking back to my mother. I was headed down a very dangerous road. Boxing saved my life, which is a story for another day. But if you had taken that opportunity away from me when I was younger, I would have come to a bad end. It taught me self-discipline, self-respect, sportsmanship. It gave me self-confidence. It kept me out of trouble. After my first day in the gym, I never got into another fight on the street again. Ever. Boxers tend to come from either an impoverished background or they are the child of a professional boxer who came from an impoverished background. I ask that you set aside any judgment of boxers and or boxing fans and just listen to the story. Don't be like the neurologist that I was referred to because of my ongoing battle with dementia pugilistica. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. but um, And then I'll explain what that is later. <laughs> Who, upon seeing in my chart that I boxed for many years, remarked, well, what did you think was going to happen? Maybe you shouldn't have boxed if you didn't want brain damage. Oh, well, that's a nice doctor.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Doctor.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> It's like compassion was what drove
1: you to this profession. It's like, the, it? It. <laughs> it's like the same doctor Bert Trotman went to go see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, you kept getting hit in the head. What What'd you think was gonna happen, mate? <laughs> old jolly old chap, you. Uh, you just got a crook in your neck.
0: <laughs> I confess that I am something of a boxing historian. Oh wow, I have a personal library of twenty six hundred books
1: damn
0: with 150 of them dealing specifically with boxing and boxing history <laughs> that's impressive that's, wow so this isn't this is nothing compared to what lee's got and it's
1: multiple subjects it's that yes, he has as many in boxing he has 2600 books yes. on a subject
0: no 150 on boxing oh god okay. 2600 total i was I 150 thought on boxing wow but
1: even so that's
0: a lot that's a lot i, I only have like Six books on capitalism. <laughs> I've
1: got I've got like a couple George Carlin books. That's, that's Yours, like yeah, your books that's, are up there. Yeah, that's like the only one I have like multiple of though. But anyway. I yeah.
0: Know.
1: I don't. I certainly don't have a. I don't really have 150 of anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except, oh. except dollars, I do have that. thankfully. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking of which, look at what else is on our shelves. So others may live and Molly's song. Yes. Both by yep. Lee Right above our heads. Mm-hmm. All right so it's tempting to regale you with all regale you all with feats of daring do from the pugilistic pages of the past but that would serve no use us- usual purpose here however i will say that humans punching one another is as old as well humans <laughs> i'm sure cain yeah. threw a jab or two when he slew abel <laughs> Do you know the story of Cain and Abel? Uh,
1: enough to know, enough to get the joke. I don't know how it all came about. The, there, there were brothers and one of them killed. It's the, the first idea, murder ever? Yeah, the okay. idea
0: is, according yeah. to the Bible, they were Adam and Eve's sons. Cain oh, and Abel, that's who they were. And Cain murdered Abel. Okay. The first murder was between brothers.
1: And they never should have existed because she shouldn't have eaten the apple.
0: No, it wasn't that um, reproduction was necessarily, like... It was pain and childbirth that was her, uh, her punishment, curse, whatever. It's all made up. <laughs> Likewise, when Samson attacked the Philistines and smote them hip and thigh, he probably landed a few uppercuts, throwing in some uh, some old, uh, old old Testament references there. There you go. In the early 1800s, an English journalist, seller of broadsheets, and occasional shakedown man named Pierce Egan helped popularize what he called the sweet science of bruising when he published several volumes of fight commentary, which he called Boxiana, Sketches of Ancient and Modern Pugilism.
1: Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. My guess is that Lee's got a copy of that. (laughs) Uh, or the, the several, because of the volumes. His volumes were extremely popular and read all across all social boundaries in Great Britain. In fact, Egan's prose would go on to have a big influence on the works of another English wordsmith, some dude named Charles Dickens. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, I own reprints of these volumes, and it does make for some fine, if a bit quaint reading. Um, Sherlock Holmes boxed, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. In in literature, you know. During this era, boxing was with bare knuckles
1: and it had
0: a few rules other than no biting, no gouging, and no knees to balls.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Those are three pretty good rules. Yeah. Those are... are, If you're
0: going to have just three.
1: They're still standard to the day, I'm pretty sure. Uh,
0: And no kidney punches, right? Isn't that a thing? Isn't that a big... No holds barred and no kidney punches? I think you can
1: still do that. Really? I mean, I, I... he didn't hit him in the kidneys, but I, I saw a guy, yes, it was Roy Jones Jr. This was maybe, like, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. He knocked out another guy with a body punch. Oh, wow. He, like, hit him so hard, he, like, broke all of his ribs with one punch. <gasps> oh, like, it's God. the only time I've ever seen somebody get knocked out with a body shot. Not Did not he just like a,
0: stun him? Is that the idea? He just <laughs> went
1: down like a ton of bricks, and it was like...
0: Well, probably all the air went out of his lungs, yeah, too. Just lost what, oxygen. That's
1: what I'm guessing. Huh. <sighs> But yeah, there there might have been a liver. There might have been some liver damage in there as well. I mean, but, I mean, it was it was amazing, mm. but it felt really bad for the other guy. Mm.
0: However, in the mid 1800s, the advent of the London Prize Ring Rules sought to st- standardize matches by having them all comply with certain basic guidelines. Shameless self-promotion <laughs> corner. If you'd like to read a fictional description of about a fa- about fought under these rules, check out Molly's song. By this guy named Lee Hutch. Ah, Indeed. That's right. right that was not there. That wasn't the only song. The London rules would, after a few decades, be replaced by the Marquis of Queensberry rules, which are still followed <laughs> with a few modifications. I today. like how they
1: tried to like class it up a little bit. Right. Just, gentlemen, gentlemen. Before we get on with it, we're going to. Marquis of
0: Queensbury! We,
1: we're going to go on with the. What was it? The Marquis? The Marquis
0: of Queensbury!
1: We, we are fighting on the Marquis of Queensbury rules. <laughs> Fight, gentlemen.
0: Mm-hmm. And ding.
1: Ring a ding ding. Like a little tiny triangle. Yes. yes, somebody's got one too. You know they do. Mm-hmm.
0: By the early 1900s, boxing had switched to gloves. Oh, very good. <laughs> Bouts were a lot longer than they are today.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow. Bouts yeah. of
0: thirty rounds oh, of three yeah. minutes each were the norm. Oh, yeah. An hour and a half of fighting. Yeah,
1: these guys all died by the time they were like thirty-five. What
0: is it now? Ten rounds of is
1: max, I of believe. How in... many
0: seconds? Like ninety seconds. Two or something? Two minutes.
1: Okay. Yeah. They might have changed that too. I really? mean, I don't, I don't know. If I haven't watched boxing in a while. Imagine going yeah, they... from
0: ninety minutes to twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, when lee and i were little kids it was still heavyweights and at that time i'm pretty sure it was still 15 rounds too which
0: like in rocky did they go 15 rounds
1: Mm -hmm, but i'm talking about in real life too well yes i
0: get
1: it but uh no maybe i don't know probably around the turn of the century i think they switched everything to 10 rounds because it Mm. started to be like uh like everybody's got brain damage right maybe that has to do with they punch each other in the head for a half hour a night, like, mm-hmm. every couple of months.
0: Right.
1: Maybe we should limit that to 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes of punching each other in the head.
0: <laughs> well, it's better than 90, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they were usually fought outdoors in the heat of the day. It's kind of amusing that today professional boxers might train all year... For a single fight of no more than twelve rounds, it does it go twelve? Rounds? Oh,
1: maybe maybe lightweights do go twelve rounds. Okay, well he would know more than I would. Yeah, gotcha. So, not everything was ten, but maybe not.
0: None of them could do what fighters did one hundred years ago when professional boxers oh. often had outside employment and smoke and drink as much as they wanted.
1: <laughs> well, the other thing too is uh, human beings evolved in that time. People a hundred years later are bigger, stronger, mm-hmm. faster. So you couldn't
0: working out in different ways yeah
1: you couldn't last i mean right you'd kill the other guy
0: yeah mm-hmm. if it lasted mm-hmm. 30 rounds today that's true mm-hmm. how important was boxing to the united states well when jack johnson huge. the first black heavyweight champion of the world successfully defended his title against james jeffries on the 4th of july 1910 it touched off riots across the country White people, angry that their great white hope had been defeated, stormed into black neighborhoods, beating people and setting things on fire. Ah, uh, white people.
1: Wait, we don't wait, we don't have a we don't have a history of racism. No. no. That's
0: that's we can't be held responsible that, for what people in the past did. <laughs> that's that sounds
1: like some um, what is the the teaching curriculum that was the big news oh critical race that sounds like some critical race that that sounds like some damn crt right there (laughs) jack johnson some bitch
0: but uh, but, i mean
1: uh, it's just it's like come on people like (laughs) uh, come on
0: that 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 should be our uh, national slogan. Instead of "God we trust," It'd be like, "Come on, come on man!" No,
1: like like the ESPN, uh, little, like, "Come on, man!" Come like on, man! Like when somebody yeah. makes a bonehead play, <laughs> right. it's like, "Guys, guys, guys, guys!" It's just a boxing match, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and besides white guys, you've won literally everything else. <laughs> you've stolen
0: literally everything, but else. but you've got it all. Like <laughs> let them
1: have the heavyweight, you know, title that he earned. That's, yeah, no big deal.
0: Throughout <coughs> Excuse me. Throughout the 1920s and 30s, boxing was the undisputed king of sports in the United States. Most people assume that baseball was, however, that's not accurate.
1: Not at that time, no. For example,
0: mm-hmm. in the 1920s, heavyweight champion Jack Dempsey got more headlines than Babe Ruth. That's not surprising. In 1938, when the next black heavyweight champion, Joe Louis, Fought a rematch with the German boxer Max Schm- Schelling, Schmelling? Schmelling. at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. The fight was broadcast around the world on shortwave radio, and a higher percentage of the American public is believed to have tuned in to hear that fight than they have ever tuned in to watch this or Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, percentage. It was, it was also a uh, pre-world, just before World War II.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's an American versus a German. So you know how everybody was tuned into that one.
0: Yeah, that's true. Here's a here's an aside you'll like. Probably because we've all gotten tired of the Tom Brady love fest that is the NFL. <laughs> and then he says, fuck Jeff Gordon and fuck Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never completely understood the hate on Jeff Gordon, but whatever. You know. But well, Tom not, Brady I agree with.
0: You're not really a NASCAR fan. Not really, so. but you know. But I, you are an NFL fan, so oh, yeah. you get that more.
1: Yeah, I mean... Uh, Lee did not. Uh, well, now Lee has to share a division with Tom Brady. But it's when Tom Brady is at the end of his career, it's okay. You'll be fine. Try like Tom Brady in his prime in 19 years of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wasn't fun. Yeah.
1: And it, of course, people have made the joke like, of course, like as soon as another AFC East team gets a good quarterback, Tom Brady leaves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, I've got to go to a worse division.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Well. Mission and- accomplished.
0: And lose my hot and richer-than-me supermodel wife.
1: <laughs> He'll be fine.
0: The fortunes of the sweet science waxed and waned over the next few decades, but by the early 1980s, boxing still enjoyed a fair amount of popularity among the public. Throughout the 1980s, there, was bout, there were bout broad, bouts broadcast on network television nearly every weekend, and some of the major, them major ones as well. This was before the advent of pay-per-view events, of mm-hmm. course. It was one of these matches, a title fight, which Ray Boom Boom Mancini, Mancini. Mancini mm-hmm. sought to defend his title against the up-and-coming fighter...
1: Hang on. Um, is it Dooku Kim? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's From what, South I this, Korea what I thought Dooku this was. From South Korea named Kim. I was trying so hard all this time. I remembered his name like 10 minutes ago, and then I was like, don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> So you got it. Do I, yeah, him. I this know is... about this. Yeah. yeah I had the opponent wrong. I was thinking it was R- Roberto Duran, but it, okay. it was Ray, Ray Boom Boom seating. Okay. So this would be lightweight. Okay. Like uh, 135, 140 pound guys.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure we will go into that. Yeah. Um, so that would be the match, so it would see the bad thing unfold. But before we turn our attention to the tragic evening in Las Vegas, I must tell you, I must first tell you a little bit about the pugilists who would take center stage. So you said it's pronounced Duke-Koo, Duke-Koo-Kim, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, one of those, yeah, it's hard well, to Well, he, he's yeah. South Korean, so yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I will start with the challenger, Duke-Koo-Kim. There's a lot of duke Duke-Koo. The double, the glutteral stop. I have to get that right. He was born.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by the <laughs> computer. He was born in South Korea. <laughs> yes, he was born. <laughs> born in South Korea in 1955 and had the same type of background that I noted earlier. Kim was the youngest of five children and his father died when Kim was two years old. Hmm. His mother would remarry three more times, but the family remained mired in poverty as a young man, Kim worked at a variety of jobs from being a shoe shiner to being a tour guide. Quote, poverty is my teacher, end quote, wrote Kim wrote in his journal during a time in which he was living under a bridge and existing on a diet of crackers and water. He got into boxing in 1976 at the age of 21. This was was say that's really late. He said that that's exactly what Lisa says. This was a very late start for a boxer. Most of us start out when we are between eight and ten years old, Mm. and we usually do not have our first amateur bout for several years. If you start young, either for example, I started training at the gym when I was eight. I did not spar for the first time until I was ten, and I did not have a competitive fight until I was twelve.
1: Okay. I guess you're just learning all the
0: basics at that point, the fundamentals. Cause well it's like um, hockey right? They don't it, they teach the kids all the fundamentals before they take start taking hits and hitting.
1: True. Yes.
0: So Kim compiled a respectable amateur record in the two years he competed at that level. When he turned pro in 1978, his amateur record stood at 29-4. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> in
1: two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Wow.
0: Yep. The main difference between amateur boxing and professional boxing, apart from the pay, is that amateurs wear protective headgear. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that idea, and I wish the pros would do that too, because you know,
1: we'll why see. not? Like, I mean one day they probably will.
0: All bouts are only three rounds long, and the rounds are shorter by a minute than professional rounds. Wow, oh, okay. So, that's so they're short. Way different. Yeah. Really short. Thirty-three bouts in two years is a lot for an amateur. Usually the number of matches you'll have in a year is in the single digits. Sure. For comparison's sake, my amateur record was 32-6, nicely. Oh, nice. But that was over a seven-year period. Wow.
1: Okay. So that's like five or six matches a year. He yeah.
0: Like you said, single mm-hmm. digits. Most of my fights were in small local tournaments, or as Ralph Macchio would say, tournaments.
1: Tournaments. <laughs> I gotta get ready for the tournament.
0: tournament. <laughs> or exhibitions though I did box in the City Golden Gloves a few times, but never got past the second or third round. At 205, I was kind of light for a heavyweight and knew from the very beginning I would never make it as a pro, but that was also never my goal. Once I got hired by the fire department, I stopped boxing in the competitive amateur ranks, but I was on the department boxing team. I still fought throughout my 20s and into my early 30s, but it was only in our once-a-year boxing Oh, sorry. Our once a year charity tournament tournament where we would box against the police department team. There you go. I hope you
1: won all of those fights.
0: And not to brag, but I never lost a match to a cop. Good. I also don't recommend using fuck the police as your ring walk music when boxing a cop in an arena half full of cops. Just saying. (laughs) Did he
1: actually do that? We'll have to oh ask, because that'd
0: be pretty amazing. And if he
1: did, I, if there's footage of it, please. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Like, we want awesome. that, too.
0: That'd be really awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and Ren said it with authority.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Coming straight from the underground. <laughs> I mentioned the large number of amateur fights he had in such a short time because, though it would be determined in 1982 that he died from a single punch, the truth is that brain injuries in fighters are cumulative.
1: Oh, sure. The more
0: matches you have in a short period of time, the more you risk. Mm-hmm. The risk doesn't just come from the matches either. For every punch you take in a match, you'll take a hundred in sparring sessions during training. Did you ever box?
1: No. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: It seems like a very you have to specifically do that. It's not like they're gonna put you in, like have you box in high school as part of PE class or something. No, I mean they might have at
1: one point. Who knows? <laughs> oh, but geez, uh, yeah, right. But no, that's something that requires like year round kind of training. training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: When he turned pro, Kim built an impressive seventeen one and one record. Eight wins by knockout.
1: Yeah, that is pretty good. Which
0: saw him win the Orient and Pacific Boxing Federation lightweight title. So yeah, lightweight mm-hmm. it looks like. Boxing has different types of titles. National, regional, and world. Based on his record, Kim became the World Boxing Association's top, top-ranked top contender, which would land him a showdown with the reigning world lightweight champion, Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Is mm-hmm. that right? Okay. Ironically, in his native South Korea... Kim was nicknamed "Little Mancini" because oh. of their similar fighting styles. Okay. In the build-up to the fight, Kim had a difficult time cutting weight to re- to reach the one hundred thirty-five pound weight limit. The American boxing press, which was a little on the racist side, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> and wait, uh, <laughs> in nineteen eighty-two, are you sure? <laughs> ah.
1: <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, just the. The whole era of things, like when you watch clips, news clips, or, th- or even comedy from back then, it's just like, oh my God. it's uh it's, it's different. <laughs> I'll put it that way.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, they refused to give him any credit, claiming that the match would be an easy victory for Mancini. To his credit, Mancini did not take his opponent lightly, and declared publicly that the fight would be a war. It would, be sell it would be Kim's first time fighting in North America and only his second fight outside of South Korea. Well, I would just be a little more um, cautious in calling something a war when you're a white person fighting a Korean person, because this was only, what, 25 years removed from the Korean War. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> like I mean these guys fight for a living they're not really uh, they're, they're not really checking up on uh... <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah fair enough
1: <laughs> like what's what should I and shouldn't I say <laughs> this is a fucking war yeah, like yeah, that's true <laughs> I think like, that's and that's what the fans want mm-hmm. you know you're mm-hmm. The press conference. The whole point of the press conference, right, is to sell tickets That's and the
0: weigh-in and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Don't they do that yep. at the press mm-hmm. and intimidate each other? Do oh, the yeah. like the, and the picture, head like the to head, the, the, to the photo like this? Yeah. With,
1: and then sometimes they really do fight each other, like <laughs> at the press conference, yeah. mm-hmm. which sells even more tickets. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
0: Now ta- let's take a brief look at his opponent. So Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Mancini was born in Youngstown, Ohio in 1961. So he's much younger, mm-hmm. 21. Oh yeah. It's a hard-scrabble blue-collar town that has produced some fine boxers, including Kelly Pavlik, who had a 40 to 2 professional record and held the unified middleweight title from 2007 to 2010. Youngstown is also Youngstown also produced some monsters, but I digress. Mancini came from a family with a boxing pedigree. His father, Lenny, had been a top contender in the early 1940s. However, he was seriously wounded in combat during World War II and never achieved his dream of winning a title. Ray Mancini would say that he set out to win the title for his dad. Hmm. Ray Mancini also took his nickname from his father, who was the original Boom Boom Mancini. Okay. (laughs) Just Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Yay!
1: From Youngstown. Bada
0: bing, bada boom, what you gonna do? forget about it
1: uh yeah I, I don't think I'm ever going to New York City with you again <laughs> just in case I wouldn't say no, that No, I, to... I know you wouldn't we've already been to New York City together <laughs> so it wasn't like you're walking up and being like hey how do I get to the subway from here
0: <laughs> hey you from Jersey <laughs> do you know T- <laughs> Teresa Judice? I got some words for her uh oh uh. On May 16th, 1981, Mancini won a regional title when he defeated Jorge Morales. He did not have to wait long to get his shot at a world title. However, he lost on a TKO, technical knockout, Mm -hmm. see? I know what that is. In the 14th round to Alexis Arguello, or Arguello, probably. In May of 1982, Mancini won the World Boxing Association lightweight title when he defeated Arturo Frias in the first round. At the time, that fight was said to have been the most exciting first round in boxing history. A distinction that it would hold until Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Hagler mm-hmm. fought Thomas Hitman Hearns, Hearns yep. in 1985. I watched Hitman that fight Hearns. too. Yeah? yeah? You mm-hmm. remember that? Oh yeah. Do you remember the first round?
1: Uh, I m- well, I remember that. I remember the whole fight. But the first round was nuts. I'm pretty sure the fight <laughs> went the distance. But uh, yeah, um, <sighs> Hearns got knocked down two or three times and got back up and this mm-hmm. is back in the day where they would still let him get back up after the yeah end. so yeah
0: yeah crazy fights uh... back in the day i remember when i first saw rocky i was like <laughs>
1: that's, that's not rocky not real no i understand <laughs>
0: no, no, no 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 what i didn't understand uh-huh. in rocky mm-hmm. i thought it was you know like this great classic sports film mm-hmm. and i was like he lost yeah He lost. What was the point of that? And, like, my parents literally had to explain to me the point was that he lasted. Yeah. And that he lasted ten rounds in the ring with Apollo Creed. The
1: movie started out with somebody else stealing his locker. Yeah. That he had to break open to get his stuff back. Yeah. And it ends with him losing to the world heavyweight champion. But
0: not by knockout. No. That was the whole point, right? That he didn't... Well, the whole point... He
1: lost by decision.
0: Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, Okay. Gotcha. I feel like really that whole film is just a romance movie.
1: Yeah, I mean... Disguised
0: as a boxing movie. It's still a
1: good movie.
0: (laughs) Tell. Mancini (laughs) had several successful title defenses before he went into the fight with Kim in November of 1982. At that time, Mancini's professional record was 24 to 1. And it would be his fifth fight in less than a year. Today, most professional boxers will, at a minimum, go three to four months, if not more, Mm. in between fights, owing to the strict rules of the various state boxing associations designed to protect fighters from having too many fights in too short a time. However, those rules were not in place in 1982. And, in fact, they are in place partly because of what happened when Mancini stepped into the ring with Kim. A year prior to the fight with Kim, the Mancini family suffered a tragedy when Ray's older brother, Lenny Jr., was, quote, accidentally shot and killed by his 17-year-old girlfriend. Okay. She pled guilty to negligent homicide.
1: Okay. All
0: right, so the buildup. The fight was a dream come true for Kim. Here he was fighting on what was at the time boxing's biggest stage, the outdoor ring at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, which had replaced Madison Square Garden as the boxing mecca of the world. If he won the fight, or even if he lost but put up a tremendous effort, Kim knew that this would launch him into a very lucrative boxing career here in the United States with bigger paydays to come. His payout for the fight was 20000 which is $60,000 today. Okay, uh, That is a lot of dough for a guy who just a few years earlier had been living under a bridge. The money would come in extra handy because at the time of the fight, Kim's fiance was pregnant with their first child. Mm. Kim was quoted as saying before the fight, "quote Either he dies or I die." End quote.
1: Okay, great. Um, it could be, uh, you know, could be knockout, could be decision, could be all, could be all sorts of things.
0: It it was, it was probably very much along the lines of that, like, sensationalism for promotion. That's true. Idea. I mean, Ray
1: Mancini did want war. So he was like, well... There you go. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. his natural. All right, one of us is going to live.
0: And on the lampshade in his room at the hotel, he wrote a brief message, which translates to live or die, literally, but more accurately, would be the phrase, kill or be killed.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Though the American press denigrated his abilities and did not give him much credit at all, the whole world would soon see that Kim was an absolute warrior of the highest caliber, albeit with tragic results. The fight was scheduled for 15 rounds, with each round being three minutes long. Okay, so that's, that's 45 minutes. In between rounds, the fighters would go to their respective corners where they would sit for one minute and receive advice from their trainers and treat Treatment and Ice from the Cutman. Mm-hmm. That's what they're called, huh? Cutman, yep. Yeah. Um, prior to this fight, Kim had never fought a 15-round bout. 15 rounds was the standard for a world title fight, but non-title fights could be as few as four rounds, depending on the agreement between the parties. Mancini, on the under, other hand, had gone a full 15 rounds three times and had another fight go to the 14th round.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Wow. The length matters because the more tired you are, the more likely you are to get hit, thus making you more susceptible to injury. It is difficult to exaggerate the amount of conditioning required to box. I'll put it this way. A three-round amateur fight was as physically draining to me as fighting a house fire. Wow. wow. Yeah.
1: I don't doubt it, though.
0: Mm -mm. Boxing takes more out of you than just about anything else you can think of. This is why there is an old saying that goes something like this. You can play football. You can play basketball. You can play baseball. You don't play boxing.
1: No, that's true. I really don't. It's
0: not called playing. No. Yeah. Now let's go ringside as the as the fight is about to begin. So it was a typical championship fight atmosphere in Vegas. (laughs) Frank Sinatra was sitting ringside. Of course. I guess uh, yeah. Forty years ago, he was alive.
1: <laughs> yes, he was.
0: <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard himself, a champ, was mm-hmm. one of the television commentators. Sure. As Mancini walked out uh, out to the ring, there was little doubt that this was his crowd. People reached out to pat him on the back or the shoulder as he made his way to the ring along with his faction. Kim only received polite applause. I. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they just like <laughs> clap. yes, golf clapping his way up to the.
0: Um. Are, like, I always thought it was heavyweight fights that were, like, the most popular? Or is that not necessarily the case? No, it
1: depends. I mean, I, at at this point in time, all championship fights are pretty much popular. Okay. Boxing is still, it's at the very end of its heyday at this mm-hmm. this point in time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, that's, that's... It's the
0: titles that are mm-hmm. the ones that draw the biggest crowds.
1: Yeah. Mm
0: i'm not going to give you a blow by blow description in this case that would be literal of this entire fight because you can watch it on the youtube instead i'll focus on what i think were the important parts knowing what the outcome was for kim these were key moments in which in hindsight could be taken as a warning that a bad thing was going to happen of course that could just be my irish superstition from the opening bell it was obvious that kim was no patsy he came bounding out of his corner and landed a straight left to the chin, followed by a shot to the chest. The war had begun. The two men went toe to toe. No, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I won't finish that that lyric. Neither willing to retreat and landed the kind of punches on one another that would have sent lesser men to the canvas. Gil Clancy, the main television announcer, yelled, they're both landing bombs. of war imagery going on here. The two men were almost identical in stature. Each was five foot six inches tall. Kim weighed one hundred thirty-four and a quarter pounds, and Mancini weighed one hundred and thirty-four and three quarters pounds. That's wild that they got it down to ounces that they probably lost within like two seconds of the match in like sweat. <laughs> yeah,
1: within within a round or two for mm-hmm. sure.
0: They had an identical reach of 65 inches. Though Mancini was able to land hooks to the body almost at will, Kim kept nailing him in the face with a straight left. Mancini's left ear was torn open and bleeding. And unbeknownst to the audience, he had badly injured his left hand, which would swell to twice its normal size after the fight. Both fighters' eyes would swell to the point that they were hardly able to see. But still, they kept at it. I... I... I...
1: Yeah, they, they would not... I don't they would not find
0: this... I, th- I wouldn't find that very entertaining, I don't think. And so.
1: they wouldn't let this happen today. Like, if, right, yeah, I yeah. mean, they they would have called the fight long ago. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if... Because if the guy broke his hand, like, that would... I don't even know if the ref would allow that to go. Right, right. If, if he Do they knew take about the it
0: the gloves off in between rounds no. no so uh, that's the thing is how would they know about yeah. it he, like the he, boxer would have to the fighter would have to bring it to somebody's attention
1: or he'd have to start wincing in a way where yeah. the referee notices like yeah. hmm mm-hmm. yeah because these referees they know what's up too
0: yeah so uh-huh. it's a i've seen some footage of like the refs in the ring and like that's a no joke job
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're. At moments, you have to break up a, a literal yes. fight between uh, yes. two of the best fighters in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, that, mm-hmm. not fun. I'm sure it's not fun at all. And I mean, you'll see some matches from back in the day where the refs are all bloody from like oh wow, from incidental like,
0: right, hit. Yes, incidental. well, and having
1: to get in between them yeah. and break mm-hmm. them up and mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Before the bell rang to start the sixth round, Clancy said to his broadcast crew off air, quote, something's going to happen. Either one guy's going to get busted up or nail the other guy really badly. Mm.
1: As if that hadn't happened already. Right? Like, like they, Yeah, that, that's has happening. They could both barely see.
0: The men stayed toe-to-toe for the bulk of the fight, each leaning into and bleeding onto the other in a type of violent intimacy only found in the boxing ring. In the years that followed, Mancini would say that halfway through the fight, he was so banged up that he felt like quitting for the first and only time in his career. Wow. It's too bad for both of them. They didn't. They didn't. As the fight went on, Kim began to absorb the most punishment, though he continued to hit back. At the start of the eleventh round, Kim's face was so swollen that it was almost unrecognizable. God. On the TV, <laughs> I know. On the TV broadcast, Clancy exclaimed, "Quote: Never mind the rounds; it's the pace that's been torrid. This has been like a thirty-round fight."
1: Jeez, so up. they're just they're they're just throwing shots. That that's there's that's no what he means space by that. in yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. During that round, Mancini landed an uppercut that dropped Kim to a knee. This should have been ruled a knockdown, necessitating a standing eight count. However, somehow the referee missed it. Mm. When the 12th round began, Mancini landed 44 consecutive punches before Kim managed to clinch. (laughs) How is that even possible I, in, like, the... I, I
1: don't know. Well, I mean, these guys... The, lightweights can throw punches. I mean, my they gosh. can... Yes. I mean... Break,
0: that... <laughs> Breaking Free Mancini landed another 17 punches. <laughs> my
1: God. Uh, I don't think I've been punched 40 times in my entire life. Right, like, <laughs> like cumulatively. Like, much less within, like, 20 seconds. Mm. <laughs> like, what the fuck?
0: Honestly, this is probably the spot where the referee should have stopped the fight. Well, I mean, generally if a boxer is not able to defend themselves and return yeah. fire, that is when the referee can roll the fight over on a stoppage.
1: Or at least that's when they that's when they'll give him a standing 8 count too, you'll see mm-hmm. that happen. Like that doesn't that doesn't always have to happen on a knockdown.
0: Mm-hmm. Half of the 13th round would go by before Kim threw another punch. Again, <sighs> a sign that something was wrong. Between the 13th in between the 13th and 14th rounds, the camera panned over to show Kim in his corner while the commentator exclaimed, quote, this is the challenger, Duku Kim. You may not have heard of him before. You will remember him today.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, unfortunately.
0: <sighs> At the beginning of the 14th round, Mancini landed a vicious left hook, followed by a devastating straight right to the face. 19 seconds into the round, Kim flew backwards to the canvas as if he'd been blown out of a cannon. The referee began his count. We know, given the aftermath, that Kim had suffered a subdural hematoma and there was active bleeding in his brain. Mm. Still, he managed to roll onto his side and pull himself to his feet before collapsing back onto the ropes. The referee waved his arms and the fight ended. As a kid watching at home and not knowing the extent of the injury, I remember being in awe of the willpower and spirit that Kim had to pull himself to his feet after absorbing that much punishment. (laughs) I know. That's, That's
1: unbelievable.
0: It was not clear to the viewers at first that something was wrong as the camera and broadcast focused on Mancini, who also didn't realize the extent of Kim's injuries. Meanwhile, shielded by the number of people in the ring, Kim was unable to sit upright on his stool in the corner. Someone yelled for a stretcher, and he was carried to a waiting ambulance. At that point, his rate of respiration was four times a minute. Normal respirations for an adult at rest is between 12 and 20 breaths a minute. But remember, he'd just been through a physically draining boxing bout, and so it should have been even higher than that. Upon arrival at the hospital, Kim was rushed into surgery However, let me pause here to give you a little bit of background on brain injuries and boxing. So, punch drunk, dementia pugilistica, and CTE. In 1928, yes, you read that right, 1928, a study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which identified what was called punch drunk syndrome. Okay. Said to be found in boxers, the symptoms listed were... Tremors, slowed movements, speech problems, and memory problems. About 10 years later, this condition was renamed dementia pugilistica. It was said to be called by repeated blows to the head. Today, we would say both concussive and sub-concussive blows to the head. So yes, in 1928, a doctor identified that repeated health, repeated head trauma can cause lifelong issues. Yet the NFL was denying this Act well into the 2000s Fuck Roger Goodell too (laughs) Yeah. Yes indeed Today dementia pugilistica Is considered a subtype or variant Of CTE which is chronic traumatic Encephalopathy Mm -hmm. It appears in boxers both professional And amateur although with amateur boxers It is more prevalent in those with Over 25 fights It can cause Parkinson like symptoms With tremors etc but it's not Parkinson's disease However, boxers are at an elevated risk for Parkinson's, as are firefighters. Lucky me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, for those who who may not recall, Lee is a former firefighter and Mm. arson investigator. Symptoms of DP, so dementia pugilistica, typically appear around 10 years after the person stops boxing, and they are irreversible and degenerative, meaning they can be managed, but they will worsen with time. Basically, for me, my symptoms are tremors in my hands, occasional slurred speech, or having a hard time forming a word. Sometimes it is like I have the sentence in my head, but my mouth just can't manage to say it, like there's a disconnect or something. I can't concentrate or focus for long periods of time, and I have severe, at times, brain fog. For example, I can look at someone while they are talking to me, but my brain is processing the words they are saying a few seconds later. It's like watching a movie with the subtitles on, but the subtitles run three seconds behind the audio. Mm. I remember seeing the old guys at the boxing gym when I was a kid, the ones that everyone said were punchy from too many times, in the, too much time in the ring. And now I am one of them. People think the brain damage from boxing comes from getting knocked out. That's not entirely Mm. true. A boxer will absorb hundreds or thousands of sub-concussive blows to the head throughout their career, and that effect piles up over time, and this is what really causes the long-term damage.
1: Yeah, it's the repeated hits to the head, not necessarily the hardest ones.
0: Mm -hmm. I do want to say, however, that I do not want anyone to feel sorry for me. My DP symptoms are a nuisance, and they are having an ever-growing impact on my life, But my quality of life was destroyed by the injury I suffered on the job as a firefighter. Fractured spine, burns, punctured lung, etc. Mm. And all of this was in the blink of an eye. I've had 16 surgeries now and on the day I'm typing this, I have learned that I am going to have a 17th. Mm. Boxers know the risks. I could have stopped boxing far earlier than I did, but I enjoyed it. I still love the sport, and even knowing the damage that it would do to me, if I had to go back in time, I'd do it all over again. It may have robbed me of some parts of my life, but it saved my life, too. If someone judges me for my time as a boxer and my feelings as a boxer today, my response to that is, Well, you go back and try to survive in my old neighborhood at the time I was growing up, and let's see how you do. I throw in some Samuel L. Jackson words too, but I don't want the podcast to get reported to the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that one-star review corner reference goes back a long ways. Uh, wow, I don't I even, don't even... Did someone actually threaten to report us to the I FCC? Think now that he brings that it up, it kind of brings a bell, yeah, doesn't
1: it? Because I remember us making fun of it. Like, well, yeah, go ahead and report us to the FCC because they have nothing to do with streaming.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> they're
1: not we're over... not on the. We're no. not
0: on the radio airwaves. We're not. We're not leasing. Friend.
1: Yeah, we're not leasing radio towers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have no, the FCC has no jurisdiction <laughs> over what we're doing.
0: Now, we also have to consider the fact that boxers can die in the ring from a single blow to the head. Sure. As in Kim's case, though, I still suspect that he had damage already from well, his very for sure. active career over a short period of time. Also, remember when I said that Kim had a hard time cutting weight to get below the 135 pounds limit set for the fight? When a boxer has to cut weight, this usually means they are going to sweat out excessive water weight before the weigh-in, which is held the day before the bout. To do this, they will do things such as sit in a sauna for a very long time or go for a run outside in the hot sun while wearing multiple layers of clothing. Mm -hmm. This means that a boxer who has to cut weight often goes into a fight dehydrated, and dehydration can increase the risk of a brain injury. This could have contributed to the injury Kim sustained. But remember, I am not a doctor, nor do I pretend to be one in bars. This is mainly because I do not go to bars. Even if I did, I would not pretend to be a doctor. I'd pretend to be a shady divorce attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Between
1: 1945
0: and 1982, 337 boxers died of ring-related injuries. Yeah, that's not surprising. With 125 of those being in the U.S., this type of outcome and was known and acknowledged in boxing as a possibility, even though the general public might not have been fully aware of it because it rarely happened live on national te- television as it did with Kim. And
1: like the, of those hundred twenty-five deaths, like one hundred twenty-three of them are guys you've never heard of, you you never will hear of. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah, it's, it's it, out of sight, right. out of mind. Mm-hmm. You
1: know.
0: So the aftermath, when the surgeon drilled into Kim's skull. Blood spurted out at five times the normal pressure. The surgeon's notes state, quote, significant bleeding from the skin and from the muscles in the temple area because of the thickness of swelling from high blood flow from the bruises encountered during the fight. The blood was removed, but the brain swelled rapidly, filling the cavity where the blood clot had been located. His prognosis was extremely poor, end quote. Meanwhile, Mancini returned to his hotel unaware of the extent of Kim's injuries until he was informed by the Mancini family priest, Father O'Neill. History note. The Catholic Church in the United States has a long history of being involved in boxing Mm. because of the number of Italian and Irish immigrants, Catholics, of course, who learned how to box at church, sponsored gyms. In fact, I have a priest cousin who did a little boxing when he was younger, too, and now, in addition to priesting... I never heard of that as a verb. Uh, he volunteers at a, a boxing gym for at-risk youth in, let's just say, a large northeast city where people talk funny and the baseball team wears red socks. <laughs> Mancini went to the hospital but was unable to get in to see Kim. Returning to his hotel, Mancini ran into Kim's trainer in the lobby. The two men did not speak, but they solemnly shook hands and gave one another a slight bow of respect. Kim would die four days later, and his body was returned to South Korea for the
1: funeral. Wow.
0: Mancini wanted to go to the funeral, but was told that perhaps the time wasn't right for him to go to South Korea. That's that's fair, yeah. Probably
1: and fly, because his body's all banged uh, up, too. Uh, that's
0: fair, too, yeah. Truthfully, Mancini was devastated by what happened in the ring. People called him a murderer, and there were renewed calls to ban boxing. His fiance broke off their engagement when she told him after the fight, her family did not want her to see Mancini anymore. Even many years later, his children would be tormented by classmates in school who told them that their father was a murderer. Though he did try to go on with his career, he only fought eight more times, losing the last four. His trainer said that after that night in Vegas, Mancini was never the same. That's really sad. Because of course he didn't, and he didn't. I mean, he didn't he do it on purpose. He did his job. <laughs> a
1: murder is on purpose.
0: Well, so I mean, there's the things most like uh, negligent homicide, humbis- well, like, types of homicide, humbis- but I'm talking right? about
1: like we all understand what a murder is, and that's deliberate. I would
0: not. I would not. This is not a, call this, this a murder. No,
1: murder. this is this an is, an
0: is accidental death. Yeah, yeah, and we, and it
1: could it could have just as easily happened to him. Yes, I that's mean, true. really, that's true. in this fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It so, could go either way. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's true. It could actually happen to anyone who was fighting the, with Yes. Yeah. Exactly. He decided the best thing to do was get back in the ring. Three months later, he traveled to Europe for his next fight. While training in Europe, he found out that Kim's mother had, I'm sorry, Lee, I'm just going to do a tiny um, thing, completed had completed suicide. Oh, okay. Five months after that, Richard Green, the referee from the fight with Kim, also completed suicide. Wow. Okay. That's horrible. This was said to be due to guilt over not stopping sure. the fight sooner. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just, it's a no win. No. It's a lose, lose, lose is what it yeah, is. Yeah, there are,
1: uh, in this story, there are literally no winners. No.
0: Everybody lost. Everybody lost. It's It's horrible. Now, Mancini was not only haunted by the death of his opponent, but also the ripple effect deaths. He found a small measure of peace when his mother's karate instructor, who happened to be South Korean, reached out to some of his contacts and told Mancini that there was no hatred for him in South Korea, and, in fact, that people felt that Kim's spirit now lived through Mancini. Kind words, but they were of little consolation. Yeah naturally this led renewed calls from certain corners to ban boxing the american medical association called for a ban on both amateur and professional boxing this is still their official position that's interesting i didn't know that i find this ironic because i know many a doctor who loves boxing Furthermore, at the high school level, a girl who plays soccer in the U.S. is at a higher risk of serious injury than a boy or girl who boxes at the amateur level or a boy who plays American football in high school, but they aren't wanting to ban soccer. That is fair that there are a lot of sports that are quite dangerous regardless. Well, every, you
1: know. every sport to a degree is. Mm-hmm. You know, It's physically yes. exerting your body and... But anything
0: yeah. where there's head mm-hmm. contact, sure. and of course, and soccer is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, headers? That's.
1: Yeah, those get. Yeah, especially by the time you're a pro, you've been whacked in the head quite a few times. By,
0: like, very, very fast, hard uh, yeah. soccer ball. Well, yeah.
1: well, not only that, by other people. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, those collisions yeah. you see. Yeah. Oh,
1: see, funny, I, I mean, the World Cup just ended. You, yeah. see, you see plenty of those. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. But. The thing is, like, you don't know when they're faking it because mm. they fake injuries a lot. The
0: flopping, yeah. But
1: uh, but sometimes you can see, like, oh, those guys just butt. I heads. doubt the
0: kids are. No. Faking it. The, no, that's yeah. No. Um, so they aren't wanting to ban soccer. Why? Maybe because rich suburban white people pay lots of money to have their kids play soccer while boxing is relegated to the inner city. Well,
1: and it's, and it's also thought of as, it's thought of as like a harmless sport. It is. Like it, it is. Yeah. Know.
0: Oh yeah. They put five-year-olds in soccer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They I ha- mean,
1: I mean, boxing is boxing. You're literally punching people in the body yeah. and in the mm-hmm. head for two or three minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, just naturally, that's going to turn people off.
0: Yeah. They have to save the poors from themselves, I guess. The AMA has not called for a ban on American football because they are scared to go up against the I was going to say. I agree with that. If you're going to call for a ban on one sport, keep going. I
1: mean, there's not really even like a central boxing uh, league. There really isn't. mm -hmm. Uh, You have the WBA, the WBC, and there's another division. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's all run by, I mean, it's all run by shady-ass promoters. All, like, there's no, you know, there's no real, like, governing body right. for boxing. Nothing it's all It's all yeah. tribal, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, you got a faction here, you got a faction there. Some guys get paid out this, some guys get paid out that. Yeah. You know. It's, Yeah.
0: But boxing is an easy target because Genteel American view America sorry, but because Genteel America views boxers and boxing fans as barbarians, even as they shell out pay-per-view money to watch pig fights. To be fair, I refuse to watch MMA and UFC as I see boxing as a, as dignified, and those sports is nothing more than a glorified bar fight, so I guess I can be judgy too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've watched UFC here and there. I'm just not, I'm, I'm just at a point, I'm just not into fighting anymore. Mm. Like, with boxing or uh, MMA. It's yeah. just like, eh. Mm. Like, it's, uh, like, these guys are literally giving each other, like, like serious brain damage, yes. like in the moment. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. You know, it's hard to watch after a while. Yeah.
0: Over the next several years, boxing would institute a number of changes. Pre-fight medical exams, which at the time of Kim's death only consisted of an eye exam and blood blood pressure and pulse check.
1: Yeah, just the would, basic, <laughs> right? Yeah. Would
0: grow to include EKGs, lung tests, and neurological testing. Some state boxing commissions also require annual MRIs of the brain for professional boxers. Makes sense. And perhaps the biggest change was that eventually professional fights would be limited to no more than 12 rounds. Have all of these changes meant that boxing has somehow re- has been somehow rendered injury-proof? No, of course of not. Course not. <laughs> yeah. That said, annual boxing-related deaths have sharply declined since the Mancini-Kim fight. The U.S. has only seen six boxing deaths since the year 2000, though there have been a lot more in the rest of the world. Worldwide, an average of three amateur and ten professional boxers die each year. The deaths hmm. are more common in certain countries, but I will not throw these countries under the bus here. Again, to put it in perspective, three amateur deaths in the world a year, whereas the United States alone between 2008 and 2 2011, there were 208 junior high school sports-related deaths. Hmm. That's a lot. Usually due to heat stroke or an undiagnosed heart condition. Mm -hmm. An average of two high school football players die each year in the United States as well. I felt far more comfortable letting my son box than I would have if he had played football. Though, knowing my my own boxing-related issues, I refused to let him start boxing until he was 16. But I'm getting off track. Let me now give you the feel-good conclusion of this story. Hmm. Kim's fiancé gave birth to a son who grew up to be a dentist in South Korea. Okay. In 2011, he and his mother traveled to the U.S. to meet Mancini. It was a happy meeting with Kim's son asking Mancini if he, Mancini, thought that Kim would be proud of the way that he had turned out. And Mancini answering, yes, of course. Hmm. There is no anonymity, sorry, there is no animosity between Kim's family and Mancini as I think they know that given how the fight had gone, it could have just as easily been Mancini in the hospital with a brain <laughs> Yeah. And Kim's son has said that Kim's spirit lives on in Mancini. Hmm. Though long retired from boxing, Mancini is still involved in the boxing world. He appears at boxing memorabilia shows and boxing Hall of Fame events. Though he signs tons of pictures for people, he refuses to sign any photos of the fight between him and Kim, sure. yeah. saying that to do so would be disrespectful to Kim's memory. Mm-hmm. Likewise, he no longer answers questions about the fight because he said that all that he had to say, all that he could in the book The Good Son. Hmm. Well, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of another overly verbose and filled with insignificant facts that only <laughs> uh, that only matter to the author. Episode written by yours truly, Lee Hutch. Hmm, that's probably why my books aren't bestsellers either. <laughs> anyway, my physical condition has deteriorated to the point that writing and most everything else isn't really possible for me in the way that it was before, which is why that this is my last listener script.
1: But that's not the case now.
0: It So what happened was that Lee said that his doctor recommended he write some more, mm-hmm. that it would kind of help keep him sharp a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, just a little hint, he may be working on a little sequel to a little book he wrote. Huh? Um,
1: (laughs) He mentioned that before, I think. Oh, did I? Okay, now I'm being (laughs) coy about it for no reason.
0: Um, And he wrote another script. So I sure hope that that he is, most importantly, finding joy in doing that. I think that Lee is like a born many things. A born boxer, a born teacher, a born firefighter, a born investigator, and a born writer. You know, so Mm -hmm. he is, I think he's meant to do all this stuff. He's just very... And I hope it brings him joy. It seems like it does. You, you, you know, I feel like you can tell when someone enjoys writing something. Oh, of course. And it feels, when leadi- yeah. reading Lee's writing, it feels like he enjoys it. And yeah. I sure hope that's the case. Um, My life is a spiral of surgeries, complications. More surgeries, more complications. You get the idea. I'm in horrific pain every second of every day. I have to walk with a cane. My knees don't work. My shoulders don't work, my burn scars hurt, my brain doesn't work, and, of course, the spinal injury and numerous spinal surgeries I have totally decimated me. It's all okay, though. I'm used to suffering. After all, I've been a Saints fan my whole life.
1: (laughs) Okay, you got one Super Bowl. At least you got got the one. (laughs) Uh,
0: I can't do much social media anymore, though I do manage to post cat pictures and memes on Instagram, and sometimes I do some Twittering. It ain't much of a life, but it's the only one I have, and so I make the best of it. No matter how rough a day I have, there's always something inappropriate to laugh at. Or the opportunity to make a Uranus joke, which are my favorite. Or Uranus. (laughs) depending on. (laughs) How you pronounce it? Despite what happened on that night in Vegas and the accompanying calls to ban boxing, I don't think that will ever happen. Or even if it were to happen in the U.S., it would not happen elsewhere. Why do I think that? Well, I have a quote that provides a fitting end to the episode. As A.J. Leibling, the Shakespeare of the prize ring, once wrote, quote, boxing is an art of the people, just like making love, end quote. Remember, friends, take care of yourselves and each other. Don't forget to keep, keep your chin down and your guard up. With kindest regards, Lee Hutch. P.S. Her Imperial Highness Grand Duchess Anastasia Colleen Hutchinson, Sends her love to Demetrius. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Hmm. And that was, let me get the title. Death in the Spotlight, The Night That Changed, Boxing Forever by Lee Hutch.
1: Yes, excellent as well. Of
0: course. Always, always, never disappointing. And there are a few pictures. Here, I'm going to show you. Uh, Actually, can I see the script? Mm Because he put... Oh, this is making for such compelling podcasting. Yes, it podcasting. is. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm looking this up on the spot. Okay, so pictures. This first picture is Ray Boom Boom Mancini after winning the title. Yep, okay. This is Duke Kim at the weigh-in with Mancini in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... <laughs> looking
1: at the scale, making looking at yeah. what he's, like, he's like, is he in?
0: Well, and Mancini yeah. ended up a half pound heavier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is Kim landing a punch. Mm-hmm. And then Kim's grave in South Korea.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I started watching boxing around this time, too, because my dad watched boxing. Uh. Um, and yeah, I, I do remember that. There were fights on, like, Friday night fights and, like, Saturday night fights. I think it was mostly Friday night fights around, like, abc cbs like the uh the main networks the main Uh networks but we had hbo and hbo would at least once a month maybe more often than that but at least once a month would have like whatever the big title fight Mm -hmm. that month was whether Mm -hmm. it was welterweight middleweight heavyweight obviously obviously always got like when mike tyson was coming up like Uh he wasn't coming up through pay-per-view uh, like, I mean, to an extent, HBO is pay-per-view because you literally paid for it.
0: Right, but not but per view No. I mean, yeah, a little different.
1: So, like, all of, mm-hmm. uh, like, when Tyson was coming up and becoming, like, what he was, like, mm-hmm. I think that's also why he was so popular because everybody saw him. Yeah. You know, it There's wasn't... exposure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I knew that this fight had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd seen pictures from it, too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it's... It's one of those things, but it like, and he actually goes into it. I'm like, I'm like growing up. I'm like, yeah, but that's probably happened before, mm-hmm. like in, in sense. And we yes, know that many it has, times. but this was like a famous example because it was a yeah. nationally televised Championship, fight that, ever, yeah, that yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people saw. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. this is 1982 mm-hmm. cable. isn't really a thing yet. So I'm right. guessing, I'm guessing there's probably tens of millions of people watching this. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, and again, boxing was still, uh, Somewhat in its heyday mm-hmm. in, the, in the early '80s, at the mm-hmm. towards the end of it, anyway. Not mm-hmm. like today, where it's kind of like a fringe sport.
0: Right. Well, to a degree, I, fringe. I'd call like BMX a fringe sport. Um, yeah. I just not as popular. Not one of the big ones. True. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'd call it.
1: Yeah, it's not something that comes to mind when it's like popular sports of right. today. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. That's true. Exactly. Neither does hockey, but oh well. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> hockey is like.
0: Number four of the big four, you know, it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey. I'd probably say in of order of the pro pop- leagues popularity. Yes, yeah. of pro. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but college basketball, college uh, yeah, football. There, true. there are like twelve more leagues that are more yeah, popular than the NHL, NASCAR. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, we're the little, we're the little brother in the in the sports league. Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, mm-hmm. but anyway, but yeah, that was a fantastic story, as always, mm-hmm. and as always from. All of our listeners. Yes, they, absolutely. You, you know how much we appreciate it. Oh, yes. Please never never stop, never stop. Man.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> hmm. All right. So that was Death in the Spotlight, The Night That Changed Boxing Forever.
0: By Lee Hutch.
1: By Lee Hutch. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.